We've been talking about vision for the last, last few weeks in here and, and what it means uh, to have vision. And we've been talking about as individuals, like we need to all have a vision for our lives. But the purpose of having these individual vision for our lives is so that we can come together with a collective mission and do what God has called us as the church to do. The point is so that we can learn to operate as one body. I like the way it says it in Romans 12, 4, it says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I love that, man. Each member belongs to all the others. Like, there's a lot of, like, different people in here. As the, some of y'all are really, really different. I don't mean that. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but I mean, like, we're all different from each other, right? I mean, you've got all, so we got, you know, lawyers sitting next to the law list and Amish sitting next to outlaw. We got all sorts of people in here, okay? I mean, if we were all at a club together, we might not all pot up and dance because we're all, we're all really different, and that's cool. But the beauty is that God has brought all these different personalities into this place, and now he's calling us all to move in the same direction, and one of my favorite things about, about this particular place is that I believe we have exactly what we need to do exactly what God has called us to do. What I'm saying is we have someone in this room who can reach anyone in this community. There's not a part of this community we don't have someone who can go into there and share a story. I mean, you've got a story that, that, that you could reach people that I can, and you've got a story that'll reach people that I can, and you've got a story. You can get into rooms where I can't get into it, and Kim, y'all can get in places where I can't get in, right? And we understand this. We can get into any place in this city, and I don't even mean illegally, although we probably got some folks who can do that too. Like, we can get in any door because we have somebody that will resonate with everybody out there, Right? I mean, one of us can reach them. We have sitting in this room right now exactly what we need to do, exactly what God has called us to do. And I love that. But this body must share a collective mission so that we move together, so that we're all going in the same direction. And when you get a whole bunch of diverse people all going in the same direction to accomplish the same goal, man, it gets crazy. That's when you can do some incredible stuff. We are one body moving together, and to do that, we must share one mission. So we're going to talk through some things today about our collective vision and mission for this house. And, and hopefully when you came in, you got one of those little cards, right? If you didn't, you can get it on your way out. But I'm going to talk about three basic areas where I want to ask people to commit. Because we have a big vision for this house. And does anyone know what the big vision is? Everyone what? And What? Everyone needs Jesus and everyone is our responsibility. That's the big vision. But we have a process that we use to achieve this vision. And the process is called restore, connect, and serve. And we've been doing this for a few years now. And so on your card you've got, there's a place to commit to restoration, a place to commit to connection, and a place to commit to service. And as we're going, I'm going to ask you if you'll commit in this area to check the box. But before you go checking all the boxes, let me tell you this. Don't check the box if you're not going to do what you say you're going to do. Don't do that. Count the cost. And there, there, there's no arm twisting or anything like that in this place. And this is not committing to any specific amount of time or specific money. Or This is just committing to grow in these areas. 
But if you check the boxes, then all I'm asking you to do is honor the choice that you made. And so as we go, ask God what he's calling you to do in the areas of restore, connect, and serve. In this house, we must be committed to restoration. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. This is a good one too, man. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting our sins against us, and he has committed us to this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God. I love that verse. It starts off so beautiful. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. To understand what we mean by restore in this house, we mean this. That when you, when you come to Christ, when you give your life to Christ, the old is gone and the new is here. And it's not like some figurative deal. It's literal. Like literally, when you surrender your life to Christ, you become a new creation. Before Christ, you weren't just kind of a little tired. You, you were dead. But with Christ, you are alive. So in Christ, you are a brand new creation. And your sin has been cast as far away from you as the east is from the west. But now as this brand new creation, you must learn to live in a brand new body or you will go back and did the same stuff the old creation did. You have to learn to live different. And so we believe that people are restored returned back to the condition they were designed to have. The Bible uses the word reconciled. To reconcile is to make a relationship right again, right? We were all designed to walk face-to-face -face with God in the cool of the day, but sin got in the way. But through Christ, we can be restored back to the design we were intended to have. And what we believe in this place is this applies to everyone, that every single person has the potential and the possibility to be returned to the plan that God has for them. And you have not outsinned God's ability to change you and heal you. And you cannot outrun him and you cannot outhide him. God wants you. And if you turn and surrender your life to him, you will be restored. And we believe this, that everyone has the potential to be made new. And it's our job to be ambassadors of the restoration of Christ. And so what that means to commit in this house, it means first to commit to showing up. It means commit to being here. It means commit to believing that everyone needs Jesus and everyone is your responsibility. It means commit to loving people who look like you and talk like you and act like you and smell like you and commit to loving people who don't look like you and act like you and talk like you and smell like you and to actually create a place where all people are welcome. They're welcome to come just as they are, but everyone is welcome with the expectation of changing. People, we, we don't want to welcome people in and say, oh, you're just fine. You just stay just like that forever. That's not what we do. That's what your mama's house is for. It's in your mama's house. Right here, you are welcomed, but you need to know there is an expectation that you will be changed. All of us, all of us stand in need of transformation. And so we welcome with the understanding we will be transformed. 
I want to share some, some cool numbers with you guys about restoration in this house. And I don't share any of these to brag on this church because I don't believe it has anything to do with this church. I believe it's about the glory of God, but God deserves some glory for this. So I'm going to give it to him. Last year, our average attendance in here on Sunday was 790 people. Amen. <laughs> that is fun. How many of you remember when it wasn't 790 people? You guys remember. Y'all were there when it was about 20, weren't you? I mean, it is that God, last year we baptized 40 people last year. Come on. That is fun. We had 60 people join this church and decide they wanted to make this house their home. Those are good things. God is growing this house. But let me share my favorite statistic of all with you. Last year we did a series called Year of the Bible. It was long, it lasted one year. And we encouraged people to read the Bible. I was uh, at, at a party or dinner with a couple of ladies the other night who had never really read the Bible before in their entire lives. And I was so humbled as these two women, both of whom I love, uh, told me that they read the whole Bible in one year. That is good. Like, that is good. People who've never really read it, and now they're picking it up, and they're beginning to believe it's real, and they're beginning to have conversations on Friday night where they sit around the table and they're talking. They even read Leviticus. Come on, that's a miracle in itself, right? I mean, they're actually talking about this stuff, and through these ladies, other people are beginning to see the glory of God, and that is what we do here, and that is good, and that is worthy of celebration. And so I'm asking you, will you commit to restoration in this house? Will you commit to being willing to change? Will you commit to admitting that maybe you're not quite there yet? That maybe there's still some work God could do on you. Will you commit to being open and not being such sissies? Not that y'all are, but some Christians are, man. They're so, oh, I can't believe you said that. No, we're not going to be those people. We're going to be tough enough to love each other enough to have real conversations where we don't go whining at the cafe. He really stomped on my feet. No, don't worry about it. I stomp on my feet more often than anybody's. That's because I got one leg and I can't feel it. <laughs> Kidding. That's my one leg joke. By the way, if you're here and you've got one leg, I've got one too, so don't get mad. I'm not making fun of you. But really, like, let's move towards restoration. So if you're willing to commit to that, man, if you'll commit to loving people and being open to change, then I want you to take that little card, like right now, take it out and check the box. And again, if, if you're not willing, it's okay, but if you check the box, it means you're in. If you check the box, it means you're all in. Do not... Choose something that you're not willing to do. Second thing, in this house, we must be committed to connection. Romans 12, 5 says, So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I love this verse. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and every member belongs to all the others. Like there's something deep inside of me that wants to experience that that wants to experience the kind of love where we all actually belong to each other, where, where Julie cares about me and I care about her, and it's not just a Sunday deal. Like, we know that we are going to be there for each other. Like, I want to experience that kind of connection where I feel like I belong to you and you belong to me. I'm not, not like in high school with the mean girls where they'd see and go, oh, hey, you're so cute, and they'd go, tramp, you know, behind your back. Not that kind of connection. I'm talking about like real connection where we really know each other, really each other. And every now and then we have a real conversation where you say, Tommy, I got to call you out on something. And I say, Julie, I love you. I call you out on something. 
but we love each other enough to speak the truth to each other in love. That's the kind of connection I long to experience, and so do you, because we were created for this. John 17, this is my new favorite verse in the Bible today. John 17, 23, it says, it says this is Jesus talking. He says, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. How will the world know that God sent Jesus? Anyone know? When we are united, when we are united, the world will know that God sent Jesus. It's not our theology. It's not how smart we are. It's when we actually live as one body, then the world will know that God sent Jesus. When the church, the bride, and that means we don't ever tear down other people, other denominations. Like I'll go on Facebook or Instagram and see some pastor or some worship person that fell and all these other Christians are blasting them on Facebook. All that tells the world is we are not united. When we will begin to live as one body, loving each other, honest with each other, supporting each other, then the world will know that God sent Christ to save the world. Let me share a few numbers about connection with you. These are pretty cool, man. Last year, we had 246 people in active Connect Four small groups. That is so good. Good job, Katie. We had 155 people who spent the year going through the Bible together. We had 155 people studied the Bible together. We have over 100 men right now signed up for winning manhood. Come on. It's crazy. Now, I was thinking about all those numbers, and I was like, this is remarkable. So what we're doing is we're meeting together in the church, and then people are meeting in homes, and they're breaking bread, and they're praying. This is such a revolutionary idea. And then I remembered, oh, no, this is the whole book of Acts. Like, we are actually doing what the Bible says to do, and we are seeing the benefits. When you do what they do, you see what they saw. And daily, those are being added to the number who are being saved. Let me tell my favorite story of connection. And I didn't, this, uh, this sermon's changed 19 times, but a buddy of mine who, who, his name is Kevin, he said I could share his name and share his story, and so I'm going to. He's an incredible man. Amen. But he is, he is, he, amen. He has struggled. Uh, Kevin has battled addiction, and uh, he's, he's not afraid to say it. He has battled addiction, and a few weeks ago, he fell off the wagon, made some choices that, that he knew he shouldn't have made. Um, and if you've ever struggled with addiction, you understand that. And uh, Kevin said, everyone kept going, well, you need to call Tommy. You need to call Tommy. You need to call Tommy. And, uh, and Kevin was like, I don't need to call Tommy because I've got five other guys at this church who have rallied around me and caught me and who are lifting me back up. He doesn't need me anymore, which is a little offensive, but it's still pretty cool because when Kevin fell, there were five men there to catch him. Woe to the man who falls and he has no friends to catch him. But Kevin had somebody. Why? Because he invested in connection in this place. Who, who's going to catch you? If you fall today, is there anyone there to catch you? More importantly, are you ready to catch somebody else? Because it's what you exist to do. We exist to do life inside of community, to catch each other when we fall. Man, I am dangerous when I'm alone. You know what the invisible man does? Whatever he wants. I need people around me. I need to be connected. So I'm asking you, will you commit to connection in this place? 
And maybe, you know, you've got some excuse about why you can't be in a small group. And don't tell. I've heard them all. But maybe there's some reason about why you can't do this. Will you commit to something in connection? Will you commit to walking across the room on Sundays and greeting people and saying, good morning, I'm glad you're here? Will you commit to at special events like the, the garden conference, which is coming up, or a men's event? Will you commit to walking across and greeting people who are new, who you don't know? Will you commit to doing anything at all to create connection in this place? Because in this place, connection is not optional. We need it to survive. It's always been the plan. You were not designed to do life alone. So I'm asking you on your little card, if you will commit Take the card and check the box that says connection. Guys, it is impossible to keep the greatest commandment to love one another if you're not in connection with someone. You cannot one another alone. Like one anothering requires another one. <laughs> I could keep doing this for a while. Diagram this sentence. Find some one another's and connect, not just for you, but for the sake of the gospel. Amen? And finally this, we must share a commitment to serve. This is a verse that every single Christian should memorize. Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man, Jesus himself, did not come to be served, but he came to serve. So if that's a true statement, why would Jesus come to church? He would come to church to serve. He wouldn't come to church to be served. He would come to this place to serve. He wouldn't walk in this place and go, somebody better talk to me. He wouldn't walk in this place and say, they better sing my song. He wouldn't walk in this place, blah, blah, blah. He would walk in this place and go, I am here to serve. Now, God, what is it you want me to do? And that is the mentality that saves the world. When we begin to show up in this house and in the world, not expecting the world to serve us, but prepared to lay down our lives as a ransom for many, that is how we win the war. I mean, think about it. how do you win the war in your home? You expect, you better serve me, woman. How's that working? My wife is country. I can tell you how to work in my house. But when I'm willing to lay down my life as a ransom for many, I have the chance to win. And your job. Y'all better serve me. Has that made you a good boss? Congratulations if that's how you lead. But what if you lay down your life for those around you? We were designed in the image of God. And God came as a servant. Therefore, we are designed to serve. You want to know how, someone is, how we can tell if someone is being restored and connected? They're serving. That's how we know. That's, God knows what's in your heart. I know that. But you know how the rest of the world knows what's in your heart? You serve. And so are you serving? And there are so many cool ways to serve in this place. Uh, Danny gave me some stats right before this. We have had 253 people serve on Sunday mornings this year. 253 different people. We have over 100 people serving every Sunday. They're serving with the kids. They're greeting people at the door. There is a group of ladies who I love so much. After this church, after these gatherings are over, they walk around and pick up trash. How humble is that? How beautiful is that? People who pray over all the pews. We haven't had a pew in a minute. <laughs> so you know I've been in church for too long. And there's a million ways to serve. And you, you don't need David and Francis Nelson. 
These people, you know what they do? They, they, this is crazy. They leave the church and go out into the world and actually serve other people. Can you imagine that? It's incredibly effective. And other people go with them and they go places other people don't wanna go and they do things other people don't wanna do. And they are God in the world because of their willingness to serve. And you can do this. And the beauty is, if you're waiting on me to create something for you to go serve, your wait is over. You don't have to do that anymore because the same God who's in me is in you. You have just as much ability to look around. Let me tell you all my pet peeve, just while we're on an honest, just, just with, this is family conversation. If you're a guest here, I'm, just tune me out for a second. My pet peeve is when someone calls me and says, hey, Tommy, um, my neighbor, uh, man, they hadn't mowed the yard in like five months. Can you send somebody from the church to come cut their grass? And I'm always like, well, okay, I, I know who I'm going to send. You. <laughs> Hello? What happened? You, you don't call. I mean, we call the church to send them into some situation. You are the church. If you see it, fix it. I mean, if you need us to come along with you, we'll do it if we can. If not, you get some of your own friends who you're connected with because you've chosen to be connected and you go into that problem and you take your own lawnmower and you fix it. <laughs> you're the church. You, with as much power and as much authority, as much willing, you band together and go solve some problems. It's what we exist to do. Call me. I just solved that part of my day. <laughs> you can still call me. And, and guys, here, here's the other thing. Service in this house isn't just about our time. It's also about your money. And I had, I had written a beautiful, eloquent sermon on this, on this part, um, because I, I so love preaching about this. And then I went to dinner with two of my friends last night, and they just told me it was terrible. And so I came in. This morning, met her and Craig. I came in this morning and, and rewrote it, and this is better, and it's right, and they were right. Um, let's just, I'm talking to family again. If you're, not, if, you're, if you're a guest here, at least hear how we handle family business, but count the cost because I'm talking to people who've joined this church. We support this church with our money. We have a building, and this thing costs money, and you like sitting in it, and most of us like it when the air is on, Right? We have this thing, and we believe it's worth it because we believe people come in here and experience Christ through this. We've created a storefront, and people come to it, and in here they find God. So we believe it's worth it. We have a staff here, and I believe it's worth it. And I will stand in front of a truck for any one of them because I have the greatest staff the world has ever known. I'm supremely confident in these people, but these people get paid. Why do they get paid? Because we believe it's biblical and right to pay people who are doing this job. So we have a building and we have staff and we have programs. You like programs. You like for your kids to have things to do. We believe programs are effective. We have electric bills. We have missions. We pay all this money to help people out in the world, and if we're not willing to do that, we should lock the doors and stop calling ourselves a church. If we're not willing to go and spend money in the world on missions, then we're not really doing anything. And all these things cost money, and we believe they're all worth it. And if anyone ever wants to see a line item penny by penny of how every dollar is spent, I will proudly show you because I believe we have been good stewards of every dime. And we've got a new expense now. Many of you know, and if you're new here again, I'm sorry, but we've been, we've been negotiating with the United Methodist Church for 57 years to exit this thing. 
And some of you know about this, and we're not doing it because they're bad. We're not doing it because they're wrong. We're doing it because we do not believe that that is the best tool to meet the needs of our mission field. And so we're going to exit. But in the United Methodist system, they own all of our stuff. It's called a trust clause. It's in your deed. It's a, the chair belongs to them. The land belongs to them. The building belongs to them. The baptism, everything, my Bible, it all belongs to them. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating this. And so we had to negotiate a monetary settlement. Isn't this fun in the church world to negotiate a monetary settlement to exit this thing and have all of our property? And after 72 years of negotiation, they came to a cost of $180,000. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. We believe it's worth it. And so we agreed. And we are $180,000 away from everything belonging to us. And we believe it's worth it. We believe it's worth it that we'll be able to, that we'll be able to own our stuff and decide what to do with our resources. We believe it's own, worth it that you guys will be able to decide when your pastor should be fired and when a new pastor should be hired, not someone who doesn't know about this place. We believe it's worth it that we will be able to align ourselves with other churches through shared passion, their, shared theology, and shared mission. We believe it's worth it that we will stand on the authority of Scripture and we will never flinch and we will never support things that do not say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We believe it's worth it. We believe those things are worth it. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying all, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying this is the freedom we now have. And we believe that is worth it. But all of this stuff costs money. And so right here, I had some great thing, but then just, here's the truth. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter if we have a million dollars in debt or a million dollars in the bank. You should give all you have out of the generosity of your heart because Christ died on a cross and set you free, and he's commanded us to give. And, and I'm going to say this, and again, I love you. If you don't trust what we're doing with your money, don't not give here. Go somewhere else and start giving. Because we believe that if you joined this place, you made the choice to support this place with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. And if you join the place of your own free will, then all I'm asking you to do is honor the commitment you made in front of this church. What you can, as often as you can, when you can. A percentage, a priority, and be progressive. Let it grow. And when everyone does those things, it's not up to four or five people to support the rest of the body. When one part of the body doesn't do its job, it robs from the other parts. And I... I know how this sounds, but you read the book last year too. It's just the truth. So I'm asking you, just do your part. Act like you made the choice. One of my favorite things about the Methodist, uh, this, this new thing that we've got, is under the Methodist system, pastors are appointed to a church, okay? So what they'll do is they'll look at a big map or, or something, you know, some people smarter than me, and they'll say, all right, send that pastor there. And the pastor has no choice. And the church has no choice. So they would send whatever pastor they wanted to whatever church they wanted. And, and I want you to know this. And this is important to me to say this. I'm not here because I was sent here. I'm here because I've chosen to be here. And I've chosen you. And I pray you've chosen me. And as long as I'm here, I will give you everything I have. <laughs> I'll give you my money, I'll give you my time, I'll give you my life. 
Because I believe this mission is worth living for, and I dang sure believe it's worth dying for. So I'm not asking anyone in this house to do anything I'm not willing to do with you. But I've made this choice, and it will get everything from me. And I'm okay with that. So those of you who are making this choice, who call this house home, I'm just asking you, be all in with me. I don't know how much time we've got to do this, but let's do it right. Let's do it with everything we've got.